Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. get up here and try to preach after having a big fight with my wife this morning. That, that's hard to do. Just before I left my office coming here, she wanted to fix my hair. She wants me to look like a choir boy. I had something a little bit more rugged in mind. I want to look like I was raised by a bear. And so we, we had a big fight. I said no. She said yes. And I lost. Kinda. When I left the office, what she did on front, I left, but I kind of stirred the sides up a little bit. Yeah, she does. I've ruined a good woman. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 6. Paul is writing to somebody who he has mentored and poured into. <clears throat> this is, of course, his second letter to Timothy. As Timothy struggles to become the man of God and the pastor that God has called him to be, Paul sees and hears in him some things that concern him, so he writes this second letter. And we pick it up in verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I am grateful and yet humbled to, to stand here today because I know how much you love us. I know how much you love this people, Father. And you have a heart to share something with them today. And so I just, I just commit to you that I will do my best. But let, let's be honest, that won't be good enough. Holy Spirit, we need you to do what you do so well, and that is to speak to every individual here today what they need to hear. Father, I just pray for freedom in the house. I pray for clarity of thought. And I thank you for what you're going to accomplish. Amen. There is so much going on today in the world. But one thing that is absolutely evident is there is an incredible spirit of fear that has flooded and is flooding our country. 
People are afraid beyond measure of a sickness. They're afraid of people who have black skin, people who have white skin. They're afraid of anybody who's different. I know that um, our experience is to gather together here as a body now and has been since early in May. Barna says that 38% of the churches have still not gathered together once. Most of them have canceled services through the rest of this year. I'm not being critical. I'm simply talking about a spirit of fear. Fear is unreasonable. Fear causes people to do and to say and to think things that are unreasonable. Timothy here is doing his best to launch this body that he's called to pastor in. He's struggling. And we know from what Paul writes him, we know that he's struggling with being afraid. And that fear, that spirit of fear, causes people to lose sight of reality. And don't, don't doubt for a moment. It is a spirit. From this verse, you have to get that. Fear is not the natural response of a conscious individual who thinks through a situation. Fear is a spirit. And you will never fix a spirit or a spiritual problem with a natural remedy. There are not enough drugs to take. There is not enough alcohol to drink. There is not enough prescriptions. There is not enough remedies. There are not enough self-help books to fix a spirit of fear. You can score all the runs you want, but if the game is football, they don't count. And Paul here is grabbing Timothy by the spiritual shoulders and saying to him, let me remind you, wake up, remind you. Something that you knew but you've forgotten. You can't, he's not telling something to Timothy that Timothy didn't know before. He's reminding him. And you know what? That's where we need to be in the Lord sometimes. We need to be reminded of some things. I was talking to somebody just this week. I think it was after service Friday or Wednesday. And I shared with them how I was moved that when Jesus came back after raising from the, from the dead, he... He was still so patient. And at least three times it says, and he showed himself again to the disciples. And he showed himself again to the disciples. And aren't you glad to serve a God who's loving and kind and patient? And he showed himself again. And, and Paul here is reminding through the Holy Spirit, Timothy, of this truth. That you need to stir this up, Timothy. Stir it up. Turn to the person next to you and say, stir it up. 
I know in, in, in my years, in, not only as a pastor, but in business, there are times that I, you had to blow things up because they got stagnant. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You can get to the place where, you know what, anything I have is better than this right now. And so you just blow it up. You just go in and you stir it up. You change everything. You fire somebody. You hire somebody new. You set a different direction. Paul is telling Timothy here, you need to stir it up. Notice the emphasis. Timothy, you need to stir it up. Some of us forget our own personal spiritual responsibility. Let every one of us work out our own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. You stir it up. I think we need to change the script on church in America. We too often have this idea that we struggle to get through the week just to come to church and get reignited or refired. I want to suggest to you, if that's your pattern, something's not wrong with your church, something is wrong with your week. We almost seem like, you remember the scene in the Indiana Jones movie where they're dropped down into this pit and the snakes are circling around and they have torches. How many remember the scene? And the torches are going out. And they're, you know, they're, they're just... And they're just standing and look at their torch and it's almost gone. And as the torch goes out, the snake's coming closer. That's the average American Christian on Saturday night. <laughs> My torch is almost out. And they come to church and they get it relit. And listen, I, I, I understand. I, I gather together with you too. I, I feed off of you. To see you as a blessing and it, and encourages but that's not what church was ever meant to be, folks. We're not meant to come into church with a dying flame. We're coming to, meant to come into church with a blazing flame so we can begin to share it and ignite it. But if our head or our mindset is to come to church because my torch almost went out and I've got to go get off of somebody else's, we're, we're falling into the trap of the ten virgins that didn't have enough fire. And when they saw events coming about, they said to those that had enough fire, give us some of your fire. And the five that had fire said, no, no, you need to get this for yourself. Listen, folks, I'm all for helping each other. I'm all for doing what we can to, to encourage. And I'm all for when one of us falls, we pick it up. But that can't be the norm. We can't just come to church barely making it so that we get fired up to make it another week until next service. That's a good word. And so Timothy is caught up in something. And Paul writes to him and said, I want to remind you of something. Son, get a hold of yourself. You need to stir this up. Because I want to tell you, folks, there's no human being on this earth that will always be there every time. And there's no human being on this earth that will not let you down at some point, including this side of the pulpit. Your relationship with God cannot be dependent on another human being. This must be real between you and Him. 
And Paul reminds him of something. He said, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Now, there's been lots of messages and lots of teaching about the gift that, that, that Timothy had, and I have no objection to any of that. But I, I want you to know that there's, there's a deeper meaning, I think, than what most people talk about. Paul here was not talking about a gift or a talent that Timothy had. He was telling Timothy, you've lost sight of the greatest thing you need to know. That you have a gift of God inside of you. It's not a gift from God. God is the gift. And Paul is telling Timothy, you forgot that God is with you. Come on, church. Because when you understand that, you understand that everywhere you go, God goes with you. He's inside of you, and where you go, the kingdom of God is going. I had a lady many years ago who was deeply involved in the occult, and, and at times I would go to her house to visit her, and one day in, in, in a vision, God showed me this, and he, he simply showed my foot stepping on the front doorstep of her house. And the doorstep was very unique. It was made out of a railroad tie, so I, I knew it was different than any other doorstep. And, and the moment I stepped in that doorstep, I was inside of her house, and it was a very big, ornate and, and, and the foyer had a, a, a curving staircase that went up, and, and it went up two stories. And, and the moment my foot stepped on that step, I was inside the foyer, and I'm looking up, and she's up in the balcony overlooking the staircase, and she sees me. And she's so angry, she's livid. And she would look at me, and she'd growl like an animal. And she would start down the steps, and her eyes never getting off my face. And she would get halfway down the steps, and then she'd turn and go back up again. And she'd stand up there and she'd look at me and she'd snarl like an animal. And then she'd come down the steps and she would get halfway and she'd stop. And she would go back up. And I know what God was doing. I know what he was telling me there. He was reminding me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And even though she could gather with hundreds of people who will read what she's written and listen to what she says, that the God inside of this young preacher was more than the God inside of her. And you and I need to remember that. We need to be reminded of this truth that everywhere we go, God is inside of us. He's resident in the Son and the Spirit, and the Father is inside of me. The Son lives inside of me. The Spirit works through me. God the Father is enthroned in my heart. And when I walk over here, God is with me. And when you get that, it changes everything. If God be for me, who can be against me? Are you kidding me? It changes everything. You're not afraid of the attacks of the enemy. You're not afraid of his fiery darts. When you know that God is inside of you, you're like Neo in the Matrix. When he shoots it, you just... 
whoa. I'm sorry, that's the best I got, folks. I know it wasn't exact. It almost hurt, but you get the picture, okay? When you know that you have God, listen to me, I know I'm being funny, but when you have God inside of you, it changes everything. Then the shout isn't just a shout. It's a battle cry to the enemy. Worship isn't just worship. It's inviting the presence of God. A dance is not just a dance. You're kicking demons off left and right when you dance in the power of God. When you clap your hands unto God in worship, it's not just clapping. I picture a little demon butt right there in my hand, and I'm just clapping it to the Lord. I'm spanking him. Because when you're spirit filled with God, when you have God living up inside of you, you can walk up to anybody and say anything. And you don't live in fear. You don't live in doubt. You don't live worrying about what if this or what if that. The only reason anything bad can happen to you is if God dies and fails. But when you know he's inside of you, so he's telling Timothy, hey, dude, get your act together. Stir this thing up. Listen, church, whatever you've got to do to stir it up, stir it up. Get up in the morning and read a couple of verses. Stir it up. Get up in the morning and declare this is a day that the Lord has made. But stir it up. Stir it up. Get out of your comfort zone. You know what stir it up literally means? It means to wake it up. Remind yourself. Remind yourself that you are anointed by God to do what you're doing. Stir up that. and Stir up what? Your remembrance that God is with you. The reason that David could go into the valley against Goliath is not that David was proud or stupid. David knew that God was with him. David knew who he represented. The reason Daniel could go into the lion's den is he knew that God was with him. And the way that you will get to where you need to go is to know that God is with you. Stir up the gift which is in you. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear. That spirit that's speaking to you is not from God. Now you got to understand this Greek language here. It's... it's they can't do a word-for-word translation. They had to simply transfer the meaning of the words, but it's literally saying God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. And so Paul is reminding Timothy, why are you operating in that which God didn't give you? And ignoring that which God did give you. That thing that you're walking in, that spirit of fear, God did not give that to you. He gave you that. So Timothy, because God did not give you that spirit of fear, why are you even listening to it? Come on, folks. I want to tell you something. There's no prayer you will ever pray that just makes fear go away for the rest of your life. 
You will always have to have the fight of faith. But one prayer can change it. You will understand that the battle you were losing, you're now winning. I was in a wrestling match years ago to impress a young lady who's now my wife, but in the first 40 seconds of the match, I was winning until the ref stopped the match, said that the clock didn't start, and they started us back over again. So my reign of terror on him lasted 40 seconds. One prayer can change it. Twenty-some years ago, might have been 25 years ago, I held, Gail Beth and I held a revival in the church that was scheduled for three days and ended up going on for weeks. And during, during that time, there was a gentleman there that came forward and he asked me to pray for him because he has lived his life. He was older than I was. He said he has lived his life walking in fear. And I, I, I prayed for him. I, I, I feel like I have a special anointing for that. And I prayed for him and, and God touched him. A few years ago, I, I was in a hospital up near Cleveland with the kidney stone problem. And somebody came walking through the door. I hadn't seen that man since that night. But he had heard through the grapevine that I was in the hospital and he walked in there to have prayer with me. He walked in, the first thing he said, do you remember me? And I said, I, you look familiar. And he named the church. He said, you were here for revival. You prayed for me. He says, I, I, I haven't talked to you since then, but I heard you were in hospital. I came to visit you. He says, I want to tell you, I have been winning the battle with fear ever since that moment. That was a prayer prayed 25 years ago. And he stood there and he said, it's a fight every day, but I win it every day. I'm winning it, Pastor, every day. I'm winning it. He said, in the past, if I hadn't have been prayed for, I'd have heard about you in the hospital. And I thought, I can't go see him. Who am I? One prayer can change it, folks. It doesn't make the battle go away, but it can change it. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, wake up for a moment. Why are you relying and believing that spirit of fear instead of the three spirits that God did give you? Why? And so I ask you a question, why? Why is the voice of that spirit of fear more pronounced in your heart and in your spirit than the voice of God is? I'll tell you why. Whichever spirit you feed will grow the strongest. And there must be times when you are faced with a spirit of fear that you just push through. I understand. Good pastors have special dust. They throw on people that fixes all this. Okay? I have looked throughout my office since I moved here. The pastor who left took the special dust with him. I don't have any special dust, but I have stuff that will help you get through Monday. 
I have stuff that will get you through Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and it's the Word of God, and to remind you that God is inside of you. And He has not given you the spirit of fear. So don't, don't give in to it. Just say no. It, it really is that easy. It's a fight. But just say no. Just say no to fear. That's almost make a good t-shirt. It's probably done, been done by somebody. But just say no to fear. I think I'm going to make that t-shirt up and sell it right now. Just say no to fear. Sold. Just say no. God didn't give you that. Could you imagine what it was like if you had bought your son or daughter a beautiful, beautiful new car and you go out the next morning and they take off on a piece of junk and they leave the beautiful car sitting there? You'd want to ask the question, why are you driving that when I gave you that? Let, let me help you. To get that, you first have to say no to that. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He has given you and I a spirit of power. Listen, if you're looking for the power to be your own power, that's not what he's given you. He has given you a spirit that will give you power. Come on. That spirit has power. And God gave you that spirit. I have a pickup truck that will probably do 100 miles an hour. I can run three. What, you don't think I can run three? I bet I could do it. I don't need to run 100 miles an hour to move 100 miles an hour. I just got to go in the right vessel. That's a better analogy than you think it is. I'm not joking. It's through your weakness he's made strong. I love the video of Jay Leno. He's racing some grandma. Look it up on YouTube. It's hilarious. Jay Leno has a 67 Mustang, 426 Super Cobra. I mean, it is beefed up. It's got the big tires, and he's got the racing helmet on, and the gloves and the fire suit. And in the car next to him is a little old lady who's got to be reminded to buckle up because she forgot that. And she's in a Tesla. And they're going to do a quarter-mile race. And she blows him away. And I want to tell you that it, it, it's not how strong you are. It's the spirit of power that comes with you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dead is now inside of you. 
And Paul is telling Timothy, don't forget that. Because when you know that, then when the spirit of death comes looking in your window, you don't become afraid. You feel sorry for the beating the spirit of death is about to take. Not only a spirit of power, but a spirit of love. It is the greatest force on this planet that has ever been. The power of love. And if that song just came into your mind, I wasn't talking about that song. <laughs> now there remain this, these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Not faith. I'm not taking away from faith. It's not even hope. The greatest of these is love. And the beautiful thing about love is it has nothing to do with the recipient. It has everything to do with the one giving it. For God so loved the whole world that he just gave Jesus to us, irrespective of what we thought about it. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about that. You can't change his mind about loving you. And we Christians ought to be the same. Come on. We don't stop loving because they have a different skin color. We don't stop loving because... They have this problem. We don't stop loving because they don't look like us. We don't stop loving because they don't act like us. We don't stop loving because they've turned away from God. I get so frustrated with church people who get mad at somebody who backslides. Don't know what to do with them. I, a number of years ago, God showed me that I, 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 had, to, I, had, to, I had to pray about that because I was getting angry. I was watching it late at night. I was watching a Discovery Channel, and it was of lions chasing after these oxes in, in I guess it's Af it was Africa. And, and the lions kept circling the herd, and as long as the herd stayed together, the lions really couldn't find anything. But at one point, the, lions, the herd took off running, and the lions focused on the one ox that couldn't run as fast as everybody else. And the lions jumped on the ox. And I got mad. I know you're going to think it's silly. I'm just being real with you. I got mad. I said, how could they run off and leave him? Everybody was safe. As long as they stayed together. How could they run off and leave him? And I'm sitting there watching this TV program, and I know it's just an ox, and I, you know, I don't mind watching them die. Sorry, just real, it's the way life goes. But I got mad that these lions had free opportunity to attack that one ox when there was a whole herd over there that could have done something about it. And I think I got about as excited as I've ever been, even in a church service, because at one point in time, 15 minutes later, the whole herd decided to come back and help. You know, love never gives up on somebody. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. It just keeps giving. Because you, you understand that it's more blessed to give 
than to receive. You, you don't get mad when the resources of your love are being tapped because you know that it, you won't be blessed until they are tapped. You no longer see this person's need as an intrusion into your life. You see it as the purpose for your life. You've been given this spirit of love, and this spirit, this spirit of love can't do anything until you release it. The spirits are subject to the prophets. You can prophesy to somebody by just letting the Spirit of God speak through you. If you don't have to filter it, it doesn't always have to make sense. Yesterday, Gail, Beth, and I were at a garage sale, and we're talking to the little lady, well, she wasn't little, but the lady, the old lady, older woman that was running the garage sale, and I'm bad on ages, but she was, she was old. Okay? And in, 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 in our casual conversation, she said, yeah, my, my husband and I started to remodel our house a few years ago, and he left me. How old was she, Gilbeth? I'm bad on ages. 70? And I thought, and it just came out of my mouth. I said, that was really stupid of him. And she looked at me. And tears welled up. And she said, thank you for saying that. And I realized in just that moment, that didn't make her husband come back. Are you getting this? And I, I, don't, I don't even know this woman's name, but, but in that moment, I, I, I think because I, I've re done my best to remove the filters from my mouth, I think the spirit of love just spoke exactly what she needed to hear. Well, that was stupid of him. And she looked at me, at her, the look of shock on her face, I thought maybe she was mad, going to be mad at me. She said, thank you for saying that. There's a, listen to me. You need to be reminded there's a spirit of love inside of you because God the Father is love. And, and when, you, when you withhold love from somebody, you're literally restraining the spirit of God from doing what he desires to do. And of a sound mind, Word, this two-word sound mind is actually two words in the Greek. It, it came from one word, Greek word, sophreno, but that's two words put together, sozo and phroneo. The first part of that word means to be saved. When you got saved, all of you got saved. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Paul is reminding Timothy that when you got saved, Timothy, your mind got saved. It was made new. All of the fears and the bondages of the past were thrown away you were your mind was made new in that moment 
The second part of that, that compound word is phroneo, which means your emotions, your ability to think and decide clearly. Listen, there's a, a spirit of deception also working in our land. People are getting caught up in things, believing lies and acting on those lies because they believe the lie. And to those that have not been deceived by that lie, they stand off and say, what, where did you come up with that? How did you get there? What were, what were you thinking? Paul is reminding Timothy that you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind because God gave you a sound mind. But more than that, you have a spirit of a sound mind. You have a spirit whose singular job is to keep you from going crazy. Listen, I'm going to pray for somebody right now. I don't know who it is. If I did, I would call them out. You think you're going nuts. You think with all that's going on, you have maybe lost your ability to think clearly. In fact, you're struggling with that. You have lost your ability to rationalize. You've lost your ability. You are this close to just jumping over the edge and giving in to this movement of fear that's happening in this world today. And you are struggling just to gather your thoughts. What seemed like just a recent time in your past was an easy, it was easy to make decisions. You're finding it difficult now. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And God has already told me that spirit that is causing you to think you are losing your mind is going to be defeated this morning. You will be in charge. You will be in control of that situation. He will come knocking on the door. You're just not going to answer anymore. You're going to tell him we don't have any vacancies. You're going to put a sign out out front that says no vacancies, especially for that spirit that tries to tell me I'm going stupid and I'm going to lose my mind. Because you see, we live in a world that the enemy wants you to lose your mind so he can do things to you that you wouldn't let him to do if you were thinking clearly. And so he gets people to get high on drugs because when they get high on drugs, they lose their mind and bad things happen to good people because they've lost their mind. And he gets them to get drunk and he gets them to get lustful and he gets them to get focused on worldly things and he gets the world to think about this and, and think about that and we, get, we, get, we lose our mind about stuff. But God's given us a sound mind. Like the song of old says, I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Stand to your feet if you would. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website godenc.com You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.